Hello and welcome to Fourth Estate, a show about journalism. We're coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on the Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. I'm Monica Attard. Today I'm speaking to Tracy Kirkland, the continuous news editor for the ABC News Channel, and Gavin Fang, deputy director at ABC News. Together, they've edited a collection of essays that cover the logistical, ethical and existential challenges faced by the news industry during the pandemic and beyond. The book is called Pandemedia, and it asks, how did the pandemic change journalism? This interview was one that I did for another podcast called Double Take, produced by the centre I work at, the Centre for Media Transition. Well, certain issues already underway deepened during the pandemic, issues like the weaponisation of disinformation and growing mistrust of the media. But other problems, including lockdowns, meant that journalists had to find enterprising ways to tell a story. And at the same time, politicians were deciding what we could and couldn't do, where we could and couldn't go. And journalists were facing criticism for demanding that those politicians tell us the reasoning behind their decision-making. This was a moment of deep polarisation in Australian society between those who thought our governments were making the right decisions and those who thought that they weren't. Journalists were caught in the crossfire. Audiences swarmed to news media for information during the pandemic as well. But a year into the pandemic, they tuned out as fast as they tuned in, exhausted by the relentless tolls and doomsday alarm ringing. Journalists who lived and worked through COVID were exhausted too. Okay, so Gavin and Tracy, thank you both for being on this podcast with us at the Centre the Center for Media Transition. We appreciate your time. Tracy, I'd like to start with you. It was an COVID-19 was an extraordinary experience for the world, but it was extraordinary also for the industry of journalism because it hit at a, at a, at a most inopportune time, you'd have to say. Audiences were already fragmented. Mistrust of media was rampant already. Misinformation was already rife. And importantly, there was criticism that news was altogether too negative, which is a criticism I've always found rather baffling in the news world, but so be it. Uh, But trying to find a way to report a very significant public interest story prone to all of those challenges would have been extremely hard. What were the considerations for you? Wow. Big question to start with. If you go back to that time, you also, there was a lot of things happening in the world as well. Donald Trump was still in power and we had just come off a summer of bushfires in Australia. So journalists had worked pretty hard. The audience was with us for those fires. But yes, we did know that trust was in decline. Audience was in traditional audience, mainstream media audience was in decline. People were looking for their news in all sorts of places. Yes, misinformation campaigns were rife and we were dealing with all of that, which probably set us up in some ways for what was to come because we were alert to these things. But what we didn't expect was a worldwide pandemic, which also altered the way we gather the news. So people couldn't come into TV studios. We couldn't have audiences. We couldn't even get up close with our microphones. We couldn't be in community meetings. We couldn't network with each other. People, journalists went 
and, and worked from their, you know, living rooms and bedrooms. And it transformed the way we work at the same time. We had to learn, as everybody did, Zoom overnight. Our meetings were went online. And for people who were in the office, it was a time where they were, there was a lot of fear. We were the frontline workers. We would drive the empty streets to get to work and to tell this story. So what was the consideration for us as the public broadcaster? The main consideration was how we tell this story in a way that is accurate and timely, and we we explain it in a way that's helpful for our audience. I think that was our main consideration way back at the start. But were you concerned at all that that you know you wouldn't be able to overcome all of the challenges in order to to do what the ABC was meant to be doing? No, I don't think that ever crossed our minds because in some ways we didn't have that luxury. We had to tell this story and we had to, for, for me, I uh, work for a continuous news channel, we had to be on air 24 hours a day. We didn't have a choice, but we were very, we knew this was a really important story to tell and we knew that we had a very significant role in telling it correctly. We knew that misinformation was a real problem. We knew that people were turning to, for example, social media to find answers. And so we knew that our role was vital in getting really accurate and timely information out to the Australian public. I mean, there were things we did and across the time during COVID that helped us, you know, audience engagement and things like that. And we can talk about that. But way back in the beginning, we didn't even know what this thing was. We didn't know how it spread. I mean, we got back to the very basics of journalism, which was what is this story? What is important here? And how can we tell it in a way that is relevant to our audience? And I suppose you're in a situation as well where all of a sudden you're telling all the journalists, you know, that you're supervising that they've kind of got to become science journalists or medicine journalists in in a hurry overnight. Yes, people like Casey Briggs, our data journalist, really came to the fore. Our health journalists were vital in this. We all learned what an epidemiologist was. In some ways, we didn't want our journalists to become experts, but we what we wanted them to do is use their journalistic skill and nous to be able to determine who were the right people to speak to, make sure there was no agenda with the people that we were talking to. So it's just using those real journalistic skills rather than them themselves becoming experts in the subject, actually just telling this story through people that were reliable, using facts that were up to date, using sources that were reliable. The problem was that in those early days, we were all learning on the go. So so the scientists, the politicians, the media, journalists, everybody was learning as we went. So so we had to just be really careful about the facts that we were um, broadcasting or writing on our website and make sure that it was the most accurate and up-to-date information that we could be giving. You, you mentioned audience, audience engagement, and I'll come to you in a moment, Gavin, but uh, Tracy, can I just get, ask you to explain, you know, what were you doing and how could you engage with audiences in those circumstances? Well, I think one of the things the ABC realised was that it was really important as this story went on and to make it relevant to people that we actually ask the audience, what do you want to know? 
what what questions do you have and how can we help you? So what we did, we set up a whole engagement team and uh, through the ABC website, we were asking people to tell us, what are your questions? What do you need to know? And it was fascinating. We got thousands and thousands and thousands of questions and we were answering them as best we could. And for us on the news channel, we were sometimes very blatant. We'd put the question, the most common questions up on the screen and we would get experts on to actually answer those directly. So we were listening to the audience, I would say like never before, about what they needed to know. You know, when all the rules changed and they were changing constantly, we were having to explain them. So we wanted to ask the audience, what is it you don't understand? How can we help you further? And often it was the most basic of information. How do I stay within my five five kilometer rule? Is it a mask the right thing to do? And if I need a mask, can I make one myself? Is that still safe? Those kind of basic questions just kept coming up over and over again. And we felt it was part of our remit to be, to be actually answering those. And I think going forward, it's something that I hope we don't lose, that, that engagement with the audience asking, what do you need to know about these big stories of the day and how can we help better inform you? Gavin, beyond clarification of the rules and, and answering some of those basic questions that Tracy just outlined then, did it matter what people wanted to know rather than what they needed to know or should know? Thanks, Monica. I, th- I think it did. I mean, I think there are two things or to, to, or to kind of pick apart those two things. On the one hand, because this story was so fast moving, there were days where the information changed within a day. And some of the things that our writers have spoken about in, in, in Panda Media, including Tori McGuire from, the, from Nine Publishing, is how difficult the media found it was to keep up to date with the latest information. And that was in large part because the information was always changing. So I think it was important for us to be providing the audience with as much correct information clearly as possible as we could, but also really to be responsive to what was the most important thing to them, the most important bit of information for the Australian community. And I think because during... Uh, this pandemic, when this was the one key story that really touched everybody's lives, there was a real thirst uh, for information that was incredibly relevant to people. And we all felt that, uh, the community, journalists, everybody felt that we needed to really get as much information as we possibly could because we needed that to navigate our daily lives. So I think it was important to both be responsive to the audience, but also to be digging away at know what is actually the causes of COVID. What are the government's rules? What are the things that we should be looking into? One of our ABC colleagues won a gold Walkley uh, and Connolly for looking at aged care uh, during this period and she really had to dig away and investigate what was going on there. So we were trying to do that type of journalism while also balancing the idea of how do we be relevant increasingly to an audience which is really thirsty for knowledge about the basics of this story. I mean, I know that, you know, people, we all wanted information in that time, particularly during lockdown. But I wonder, you know, to what extent was the quantum of information an issue for for the ABC? How much information you gave people? What type of information and how often in order that you don't overwhelm people with both information and, of course, the fear that came with the kind of information that you were imparting? It's a really interesting question and a really interesting discussion, I think, that we have to have all the time about how much information the public is being asked 
to understand. I was listening to Laura Tingle speaking last week about this very issue and she was talking about it being like a a fire hose of information and that that's what's really happening to people that really the community is struggling with information overload. I think with this story, what surprised us was that the community was so intent on understanding every single angle about the story. And I think it comes back to that relevance piece. But one of my reflections after after the intense period of COVID, because of course COVID still exists, but after that intense period of covering the pandemic was that we really need to slow down often. We need to do more by sometimes doing a bit less by slowing down on the story and by trying to provide um, more context uh, for what is happening. And maybe across this period, some of the things that we did around trying to constantly update the audience on what was the latest bit of information, perhaps we could have contextualised that a bit better. Perhaps we could have slowed down a bit better and tried to wrap some more context around that information. Having said that, I think it is important that we listen to our audience and that we respond and try to provide the audience with the information that they're chasing. Of course, there's a time and place to slow down, isn't there? I mean, the, for example, the, I mean, the daily press conferences, which were, we were all glued to them, and then suddenly they became quite traumatic, and then they moved into becoming basically very boring but important. It, it, the ABC made a decision to abandon the daily broadcasts, and there was criticism of that, and there was support for that. It was, you know, people were all over the shop on that one. What went into the thinking about that, about abandoning those daily broadcasts, which had become such an integral part of our daily lives as we were in lockdown and, 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 and you know, trying to find things to amuse ourselves? Well, just because we played them on the channel, on News Channel, we played all of them for the first year and a half, I think. It's interesting the language you use about us abandoning the, the broadcasts when, so we were listening to our audience. And if you look at our audience numbers, and this goes right across the spectrum, newspaper, radio, digital, television, those in the first two years of the pandemic, the audience numbers were enormous. And if you look at uh, everybody gained Every, the, the Australian public turned to the mainstream media to answer their questions and to understand what was happening to them and to their friends and around the world. But then if you look at the numbers of the people watching the the um, daily presses, they were extraordinary. You'd put on these presses, which would go for an hour, an hour and a half. The audience numbers peaked at that time and stayed with us for the whole press conference. Then the next one would start and the next one would start. I think in the first year, certainly, the information was changing so quickly, people were tuning in and in a sense gave them a sense of community because all of their friends were like, what am I doing at 11 o'clock? Well, of course, we're all going to turn on the TV and watch the daily presser. It was a kind of weird sense of community that we had all watching that together. But it was vital because they were waiting to hear what the, you know, the premiers were saying that was the latest kind of rules that they had they were going to have to live with. But after a while, what we realized was that constant amount of information and those daily press conferences led to, I think, two things. One of them, it became a bit of white noise. So people started to get used to living with COVID and they didn't want the, the demand for that information wasn't as great. And also it for other people, it caused, as you said, extreme anxiety. And so they couldn't watch because it just brought fear and anxiety to their lives. And so you had people turning off. So they're the kind of discussions we were having about, it was about the news value 
as it always is, in broadcasting this. So initially, the news value was the audience demand was there and it was offering in real time information direct from the source, from the health officers and the premiers. But as time went on, it was actually causing distress and it was causing a turnoff, a mass turnoff, because people were avoiding the news because it had all become so negative. So we have to take all of that into account when we think about what we're going to broadcast as the public broadcaster because we have a responsibility to the Australian public. So they're the kind of things that came in. I wouldn't say see it as abandoning. I would see it as an evolution of a massive story that went on for years and the way we, we had to always be examining the way we covered it. And that was one of the decisions we made. And another one was around you know broadcasting the death numbers and the hospitalisation numbers. There was a point where we thought, again, this is causing unnecessary anxiety. And we have to decide whether it's there is value in actually putting this up on the screen every single day when it's readily available on the health websites and the, the politicians' websites. So, yes, we made a lot of ethical decisions during that time, but we always had the audience at the forefront of our mind when we were making those. And interestingly enough, that's how this, that, how this book came about because Gavin and I were talking at work about these ethical decisions we had to make and we wanted to hear the perspectives of journalists across the country and and that's how the book came to be. Well, it's interesting that you pose that as a, as an ethical issue that the, a decision based on 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 numbers and and who's watching and why people are turning off rather than you know the 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 public's right to know and the ABC's obligation to inform. <laughs> how did you how did uh, you come to that conclusion, Gavin? I, I think well, I I think just to pick up on what Tracy was saying, I suppose what I was going to say before was that. We are always making what I'd call, you know, journalistic decisions every day about what is the best way to communicate this information to the public, to the audience. And at some point, you do need to make a determination about is a rolling press conference that goes for a number of hours the best value and the best way to to communicate what is the public interest aspect of that press conference to the audience. And it's not necessarily done in a live broadcast. It doesn't mean that we were not then taking that information and using that in our stories or putting that on our website or, in fact, playing elements of that across uh, our news channels. But we were making, as we always do, decisions about how how do we tell our stories in the best way to get that public interest information to the public. I guess, in a sense, it's almost about striking a balance between being truthful about what's happening, which is pretty scary, and producing news which is not sensationalist. Is is that what you're trying to say? I don't think we ever steer away from from providing truthful information, but we always have to balance up what's the what's the most important information that we're putting in our stories. What's the, I would come back to that. What's the context for this information? How important is this bit of information as compared to something else that is out there about a particular story? And, and as you know, Monica, we're always making those choices when we when we construct our stories. Mm. Uh, so there was also the issue of Norman Swan's podcast and his general view that Australia wasn't handling the pandemic as well as it could have, that the situation was actually worse than we were being told. Was was there, Gavin, do you think an element there of you know media competition between the health 
experts and and was that appropriate for that that competition to take place on the public broadcaster? I mean, I guess his job was particularly difficult because as a doctor, he had a very deep understanding of what the statistics meant and, and what was coming at us. But, you know, how do you strike a balance there? And when you say competition, what do you actually mean by that, Monica? Well, there was a competition, was there not, between him and some of the epidemiologists and and and, and indeed with with some health reporters at other media outlets that who you know who disagreed with him and who criticized his negative takes on on what was being done by the public health authorities in Australia. <laughs> I wouldn't characterise that, I suppose, as a competition. I think what Norman Swan was doing was doing journalism and doing journalism around information that he was able to source and he was bringing his expertise as a as a doctor, but also, you know, his sources and contacts and his analysis, which we were expecting him to do to provide to that. The, the, the information was absolutely at times contested, both by government and by other people in the media. And also there was a contested space between ep- epidemiologists about how this uh, pandemic would play its way out. I think what he was trying to do and what the ABC was attempting to do through his analysis was to provide the public with the best information and and to try to provide the public with the best analysis about where this might be going in amongst information from a whole series of sources. I mean, I think one of the things that um, was pretty apparent across this entire pandemic was that the information regularly changed and that even the government and the health officers at times didn't have a clear understanding or um, a total picture of where we would get to. I mean, for a long period of time, if you remember, before the prospect of a vaccine was even around, we actually had no idea about how this pandemic might play out or end. So I think what, what Norman and other analysts with a medical background were attempting to do was to try to provide the, the most accurate information, but to contextualise that within the what's the most likely thing that could happen based on the best medical advice that's out there. Okay, so you kind of raise very many issues there, and one of them, of course, is is, is the question of trust. And you know, mistrust in, in news media was an established phenomenon well before COVID. Mistrust in what the authorities were saying about COVID also, as you say, became a pretty big issue. Tracy, how important was it for the ABC to be seen to be reflecting what the authorities were advising? And and how did you overcome the expectation, which undoubtedly was there, that you'd be questioning that advice, prosecuting it, in other words, to make sure that it was viable and correct? How do you deal with that? Well, I think when it comes right down to it, our role as journalists, is to hold to account those in power who are making these decisions. And we need to be able to question them in a way that is fair because at at the end of the day, we need to provide our audience with the best information possible. And it's, it's our role, whether we're public broadcaster or commercial broadcaster, it's part of our role as journalists. And so I think we took that really seriously. I think at the start of COVID, when what the media was reporting, what the politicians were saying, what the health officers was health officers were saying was very similar, it's because we were all learning. We didn't know what we didn't know. And so there was only so far we could go in under, you know, we were pushing 
all the time to really understand the latest advice. And, you know, there were certain turning points throughout COVID. And I think Gavin makes the point in his essay in the book that that AstraZeneca was one of those times when all of a sudden the things that the uh, politicians were saying seemed to bring into question the other advice that they'd given, which, you know, raises the red flag. And for all journalists, that's like, aha, now here's something we need to look into. So a final question to you both, and that is, you know, what are the, what are the takeaways and what are the lessons that you learned from that period of time? And, and Tracy, I might start with you because one of the things that you talk about was 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 making news relevant, uh, and I, which struck me as you know as worthy of talking about because shouldn't news media already be relevant? And 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 if it's not, why not? And what needs to change? Uh, I think relevance, besides accuracy, relevance is up there as one of the key things for me because, well, a lot has changed. Australia has changed. We're a very multicultural nation. There are people who didn't grow up with the ABC and, you know, we need to – and also people are looking for their news in all sorts of places, in other platforms – and we need to move with the times if if you know if you understand what i mean we we've got to remain relevant and w- which means we need to hear what audiences expect of their news we need to i think gone are the days where the old style news that gavin and i used to and and i know you would be the same monica where you know we all gather together the news editor makes the decisions you have your priorities and you're telling the the world or the country this is what we think the news is now we need it's a much more relational engagement with our audience we need to listen to the kind of things that they want to hear about we need to reflect them in our stories which we means we need to be considerate about what we're actually broadcasting much more so than before still the news values and news judgment is still there it's still core to what we do we still want to curate or bring together things that we think are relevant and most important for people to hear, but we've got to do it in a whole new variety of ways. We've got to engage a whole lot of new communities. Uh, we need to engage younger people. We need to engage women. We need, And we need to do it in ways that are not the traditional form of we know everything and we're telling you what, what the news is. And I think that is something under COVID where we've actually made real progress. Because we haven't been able to have people in the studio, we've been able to zoom in right across the country. We've been able to get to the most remote places to tell stories. I mean, what makes a story, I think, fundamentally is the same, And but we've been able to get closer and closer to the source of those stories because it's not reliant on getting a camera there or being available to a studio. So I think we have made some progress in our diversity, and so we reflect the Australian community in a way that makes the news more relevant. And look, these are issues that come up all the time. So we're constantly thinking about how can we be most relevant to the Australian community because we are the public broadcaster and that is our charter. So like I said, for me, accuracy is key, but next comes relevance to our audience because you know what, unless we do that and we engage with the audience and think about who we are, we are just on a downhill slide, all of us as the mainstream media, not just the ABC. I mean, we're lucky because we're very, very trusted in the Australian community, but we have to maintain that trust by engaging with our community and thinking about our audience, what their needs are, and taking seriously our charter as the public broadcaster to be accurate, 
to have really high integrity and trust will follow that. I think trust in the media, yes, is on the decline, but I think a lot of that has to do with the rise of mistrust in social media and and other media platforms. But it doesn't mean it's not relevant to us and we've got to take note and we've got to think about what it means for our journalism. And Gavin, for you, the takeaway, the takeaways from all of this? Some of them are similar. I would say listening to the audience. And I don't know sometimes that some journalists feel that that what that what is being said there is that we are simply going down a, a path of, of clickbait, but we're not. It's about really actively listening and connecting with the community on the issues that are important uh, and pursuing those issues with doggedness and with the public interest at heart. And I think that's really important. It's around the importance of accurate and relevant information to the audience and the the power that that brings around empowering people to make sense of what's happening and so that they can use that information in their own lives. It's the strength of our fundamental editorial principles that in the face of issues of misinformation and the like, that actually the, 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 the value of those really strong journalistic editorial principles drive trust and that's so important. And look, really the need to engage with our own people on, on not just on the way that they're doing their journalism, but the, the but how that is impacting their lives and how they're navigating the challenges of that so that we can continue to have, you know, resilient journalists who are doing their best jobs. It, look, there's so much more to talk about, so I, I, I hope that I can get you both to come back again in the in, in the future. But I thank you both, Gavin Fang and Tracy Kirkland, for a great discussion, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, Monica. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for listening to the program. This edition was recorded at the studios of 2SER and heard across the country on the Community Radio Network. Fourth Estate is produced with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Thanks to the Foundation for their continuing support. Make sure you subscribe to Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast app so that you can hear us talk about media, politics and, of course, everything in between. We're back next week with more. In the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Twitter. Our handle there is Fourth Estate AU and we're also on Threads. I'm Monica Attard. Thank you for listening.